Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. We are a podcast devoted to startups, founders, and entrepreneurs, and also the angels, VCs, family offices, and investment firms that, uh, that work with them. Um, we're available on all the major podcast platforms. Make sure to um, give us a good um, review on Apple Podcast in particular. Um, you can always get me um, at Michael Conniff on, on Twitter, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-I-F-F at Twitter. And uh, my website is michaelconniff.com. And, um, and as part of our mission, we have actually been uh, talking to accelerators around the world. And around the world is a very good definition of where our new our, our, new, our guest today is. Huang Fan is a... Um, the head of Eastern and Southern Africa for Draper House, the the startup uh, operation. Hello, Fang, Fuang. Welcome. Welcome here. Welcome to uh, the Accelerator. Hello. Uh, thank you, Michael, for having me. I'm very excited to have you. Now, You before we start, you have to lift up your computer and show us where you're sitting. So I'm currently in Tanzania, and, and this is the... I'm sending you all sunset from the Indian Ocean. Wow, pretty amazing. <laughs> so you, 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 the good news is not only do you get to work in Africa, but you get to uh, live in a place right next to the Indian Ocean, right on the ocean. That's pretty cool. So, so that's excellent. I know. Well, but the downside is I'm only here for one month. I'm in different country every month. So it's a bit ungrounded for me at the moment since I'm not having any base. Um, so I'm looking for a base right now. So you you are you know Draper is a famous name in uh, venture capital. I um, mm. uh, Tim Tim Draper is your boss ultimately in this operation, right? In Draper House, and um, I really yes. recommend. Actually, I recommend to you if you haven't read the book by his uh, by his grandfather. Believe it or not, his grandfather basically invented uh, venture capital in the Silicon Valley, uh, you know, 50 years ago, it was really him and a couple of other people, um, who can, who can take that mantle. And then, uh, Tim's father, um, was equally a pioneer in venture capital. And now here is Tim doing it, um, with many operations, but, but basically with uh, also with Draper house. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like he kind of plopped you in the middle of, uh, of Africa made you head of East and Southern Africa and said, go find, go do it, go find something. Was it, was that, is that about right? <laughs> yes, it's, it's about right. Uh, well, but I, I did not, I don't work directly with team Draper. Um, so I work for an entity under the Draper network called Draper startup house, which eventually wants to build a network across the world for like a network of hostels for entrepreneurs and digital nomads and use it and use this network as as pipelines for for startups all over the world so we can invest in in startups you know so yeah that's so the how, many, how many draper houses are there all over the world right now um so i don't well, that's my bad, but I don't have the exact number, but we have around a dozen right now. Um, and we have the best ones. The I would say my favorite ones are in, are in Asia, uh, in India, the Philippines, and uh, yeah, in Indonesia, on Bali. You must visit so that one. Mm. You're just starting to spread out. Now, 
you were in charge of Eastern and Southern Africa and explain to everyone, because I, I bet most people could not pass a test on countries in Eastern and uh, Southern Africa. What are the countries you're responsible for? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that's funny that you say I, that. I know, uh, I know, well, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pass the test. I know it's Tanzania because that's where you are today. But, but, but tell us the countries you're responsible for. Okay, so even though my title is East and uh, and Southern Africa, I have the freedom to discover any territories that I want to. Um, so the countries that we have looked into so far um, are Namibia, Zambia, Malawi, now Tanzania, and next month Nairobi, um, Kenya, and then Rwanda and Uganda. So there are countries whose names are not very known in terms of startup ecosystems, such as Namibia, uh, Malawi, and Zambia. But these underdogs are exactly why I'm doing this job. Um, I want to do things that are not done yet um, and to put fuel into these, these startup ecosystems if I want to. But yeah, eventually we have to have space in... Um, Lagos um, in Nigeria, of course, that is like the most known name in Africa in terms of startup ecosystem, right? And and Cairo, Egypt is the another big one. I would say now everybody is looking at Cairo. Um, and yeah, Ghana, Cote d'Ivoire, and uh, Senegal as well. So those are like wow. West and Northern Africa, which I will eventually have to have to expand to as well. And that would include Morocco, I, because I've been to Morocco. That is a place I've been. And uh, Algeria, I assume, and some yeah. other countries, right? Sorry? Uh, I said Algeria, Morocco, and perhaps some other countries in Northern Africa. Yeah. Tunisia is also a, um, a prominent one in terms of startup system in, um, in Northern Africa. I'm not too knowledgeable about Algeria or Morocco to talk about it, but um, yeah. Morocco is, is a name that is being mentioned quite quite frequently lately as well. Yeah. Well, I spent 10 days in Morocco. I guarantee you it's going to be, uh, there are going to be lots of opportunities in Morocco because <laughs> 10 um, days. You know, they're very, you know, they're very, they're, they're Muslim. They're very cosmopolitan and they have a history of, of accepting external influences and sometimes invaders, sometimes mm -hmm. not. They also, it's, it's, it seems like almost everybody speaks French in Morocco. And I think that's an advantage too. Uh, and many of them speak English, of course. So let's, let's, let's zero in on what your job is now. So you've been kind of, uh, I think of you as being drop shipped into Africa. You have to find out what's going on in the startup scene. Ultimately, you have to find companies. But what's the first thing you're doing in Tanzania, for example? How do you do that? Um, oh, that's a, that's an interesting question. I don't really know where to start because, you know, everything works on, works on relationships, works on connection. And I think, and I use, I would say LinkedIn, I wouldn't be able to survive without LinkedIn. And that's how you, you found me as well, right? You found mm -hmm. me on yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. I don't I have do any other social media. I do everything media. on LinkedIn, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no other social media and I fight people on LinkedIn. And I, I guess you have to be good with like researching as well. 
Um, but I always get in touch with people before I get to a country and I build my, my connection basically from, from LinkedIn, from scratch. And it has been working very well for me. I've been finding my partners and people mostly on LinkedIn, but uh, meeting people in person is very important. Like you can yeah. uh, connect with them as much as you can on LinkedIn, but eventually I had to see them in person in order, in order to build a relationship and to feel each other's energies. And you're going to uh, actually meet, I think, I hope, uh, one of my founders uh, that I've been working with at yeah. Startup VC in New York. Um, we've got... Yeah, Kojo. Uh, Kojo. We've got three founders that are probably worth your attention from Africa, and we'll probably have you know at least three more in the next cohort. Um, and uh, so I've also connected you to Renat Carolyn, who is the uh, Africa track leader at Startup. Uh, very smart guy, and I, I think you two will will like each other. Um, but um, yeah, it's all connection. So once you connect with people on the ground, and you're looking for com- companies in Africa for startups, where is what kind of startups? What how would you characterize what you're looking for other than the next unicorn? Um. So I wouldn't say I am the best person to well i'm not on the investment team i don't i don't actually do financial analysis and and deeper due diligence to make the final investment decision what i do is i feel the people i i guess i if i look at because i have seen a lot of startups and i kind of know the context of the market i do know whether a startup is bs or not uh, but so what I do is I kind of do the initial screening and I will recommend these startups to investors that I know, to people in my network and to our fund as well. Um, and for me, I don't have any particular criteria, but if I had to speak for my fund, we would definitely, we definitely look at like more scalable startups, which can be scaled regionally, um, which solve a more regional problems rather than local problems but for me personally i it is essential in my opinion to invest in startups that solve local problems as well not just like fintech like scalable fintech startups right uh but there are like my funds view and my view which are quite separate in this uh in this situation uh but yeah I'm working with another African startup called Condo, South African, actually. And um, did you know that in um, South Africa, to get a rental apartment, you have to put down two years security deposit? Two years. <clears throat> that seems impossible. Well, it, it is impossible for a lot of people. So another founder of yeah. ours, a company called Condo, um, is uh, is addressing that in a very unique way, um, which I'm happy to tell you about offline. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and, and but can't very... you just? But if I'm a tourist in SA, I'm just going to book Airbnb and pay per month, right? But I guess it will be more expensive. No, 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 no. This is so. I this is know. this is for people who live there. This is for residents. Okay. They have to put down yeah. you know an enormous amount of capital just to get an apartment. Just to rent, not to buy, not to visit, yeah. just to rent. So anyhow, I think there are lots of opportunities there. Now, the first time we met, we Zoomed, um, 
I made you laugh because I asked if you spoke French, because for some reason, because you're from Vietnam, I had in my idea that, oh, of course she speaks French. She's going to French-speaking Africa, which turned out to be completely wrong. But you did, um, pardon the pun, you did get hatched in the Vietnamese startup system at a company called Hatch that became part of Draper House. So tell us about yeah. what that early experience in Vietnam, because you're now it looks like you're going to be a lifer in the startup business, um, or you could be, because <laughs> you started there. So tell us about Hatch and the, and the Vietnam uh, startup ecosystem as you saw it as a young woman. Mm. Hmm. Um, oh, thank you for bringing this up. I, I haven't thought about it for, for a while. You did some due diligence on me. Um, so, well, yeah, as you should, you are going to interview yeah, I, me. So I, I, looked at your, I, I looked at your LinkedIn profile. True. Guilty. Uh, yeah. Not as, as far as well, how due diligence goes nowadays. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so Hatch is the first startup incubator in Vietnam ever. Um, it was co. It was established by three. Well, I would say four people: three young Vietnamese people and one American, uh, hmm. whose name is Aaron Everhart. Um, and so I am close to Aaron. So I met Aaron. So by the time that I joined Hatch, all the other three co-founders were doing different things. One was doing MBA in Europe and the other two were doing their own thing. So Aaron was the last one standing when I joined. Um, and what happened was I was a university student by then and uh, I was working at a, yeah, an incubator startup support type of thing uh, by the government. And Aaron came to visit and he met me and I spoke very good English and we clicked very well and Aaron hired me. Basically, Aaron took me from my former employer back then and we started working together and we became very close. Like now we remain friends, like we are like friends. And I must, I often tell people he's my close friend. Okay, I think I'm going off track, but uh, Aaron has been... Do you hear the mosque? So there's a mosque. Uh, there's a call for prayer right now from the mosque next door. Oh, interesting! Um, wow. wow! Yeah, Great. welcome to Africa. Plus, people think of people think of Africa as like Christian Christianity dominance, but um, no, in Tanzania, Christians and Muslims live together uh, side by side, and there's a mosque next mm -hmm. to my house. So awfully, okay, so back to the story. So Aaron let me, is. Uh, let me zero in on Aaron. What did you learn from Aaron Everhart? Yeah, so Aaron is an American who has lived in Vietnam for twenty years. So his, okay, fifteen, eighteen years, and his view, he really shifted my view. You know, like he worked for Landor before coming to Vietnam. So he he Landor is an uh, the the American marketing agency, right? So he looked at everything from a branding americanized view in a way yeah so being with him for working with him for two years really so he was he had access he had the big picture of vietnamese startup ecosystem from the very beginning so he told me everything from the first day how hot 
started as the first incubator ever, how early it was. And, you know, now Vietnam is quite a dominant name in the startup ecosystem of Southeast Asia, right? It's like the second or even third or second uh, biggest startup ecosystem. Um, so I saw the journey and also he taught me a lot about the way of looking at business and looking at the world and somehow he changed me from this so i'm not from hanoi i'm not from a big city i'm from a smaller city in vietnam and he kind of changed me in a way from this girl from the countryside to a more modern thinking woman i must say um and during that time I got to meet, I don't know, a lot of startups. I think during like one year I was with him, I got to meet over a hundred startups um, and different investors and incubators in Vietnam. So what did I learn? I don't think I can say it just like, oh, this, the, uh, these are three things I learned, right? But I guess I got to see what kind of startups failed what startups made it to the next route, uh, what founders have have the, yeah, what kind of founders make good company. So I guess it was the initial phase where I absorbed everything in the world from the people to the team to um, like the nuances in human relationships. So I guess I developed a lot, a lot as a, human being and how to navigate myself in the world. Um, that is what I learned the most, I must say. So, it, so people around the world now are, are, are dying for me to ask the question of, okay, what distinguishes the ones who fail from the ones who succeed from the ones that sort of are in the middle? So what did you learn about, because you're going to be using this on a daily basis in Africa, I assume, whatever you learned in Vietnam. What did you learn about startups and predicting their success, which is, of course, impossible, but we have to try. So yeah. what, what did you learn? Um, I learned that we as humans, we are biased. Uh, <laughs> you know, the way we judge other people and judge founders and judge a company, um, a lot of, of the criteria, as much as we want to be rational and objective, we are quite biased. Um, someone's confidence, someone's articulation, someone's even appearance um, can really influence how we choose to follow up with them in terms of like funding or not. So I wouldn't say I have the answer to this all, but whether someone is putting everything into this venture they're in right now how confident they are how charismatic they are um how fluent they are um yeah these things i don't know if this i wouldn't say i have an objective answer to this but these yeah. charismatic figures really go far in this journey of of fundraising but I'm saying also, purely fundraising. I'm not saying they will have a unicorn or they will or their business yeah. will eventually make money or return or give investors return on their money, right? I'm purely saying in terms of fundraising. Yeah. 
So um, you mentioned earlier that Aaron taught you about uh, Americanization, American way of looking at things, Americanization. And also, you know, a big issue, right? A big issue in um, every country that is not the United States is uh, can often be, how do I get to the United States? So did you find in Vietnam that uh, the United States was the holy grail? It was the place where everyone wanted to go as soon as possible? Or did you find entrepreneurs that really were looking for? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. um, Have you finished asking your question? But yeah, yeah, for sure, every Vietnamese dream is to get to America. And and what so what did you learn about America? What does it mean to be Americanized if you're a company in Vietnam, for example? What does it mean to be Americanized if you are a company in Vietnam? Yes. Thank you for repeating my question. <laughs> what I really I'm mean like, is I'm like, <laughs> that's a sign of a bad question. So let me try again. <laughs> um, what I'm really getting at is how do you take a company that wants to go to the United States to the United Mm -hmm. States, given that they may not know anything about the United States, at least not directly other than from movies and television and so on um, and online. So how do you, how do you bridge? And this is, this is something that people like you in in accelerators all over the world are talking, you know, are are thinking about, you know, how do we get to the United States? How do we get to the United States? So how did how did you do it yeah. at um, at Hatch and then Draper? So we, what we are doing is we are sending African entrepreneurs to courses at Draper University. So Draper University is one component under the Draper Network, right? Uh, it's a univer- it's a, a startup, an entrepreneur school in uh, Silicon Valley, and we I am sending people for courses uh but this is these are like i'm talking about virtual courses two-week mm-hmm. virtual courses where they will get connected to silicon valley investors and mentors and startups from all over the world uh but at the end of the year we aim at sending one or two people over to silicon valley for an offline course which would last for like one month or two, right? Mm-hmm. And even what we are doing as Stata, uh, I find it fascinating. That's why I did ask you, oh, how do these startups get to New York, right? right? How do they get to this stage? Because uh, I am I am in the process of, of doing and proposing an accelerator program plan to a corporate in Tanzania, so we want to eventually be able to send these startups either to New York or to Silicon Valley through Draper University or to New York through Stata VC. If um, yeah, that is that would be really cool. Oh, good. Well, I, I'm glad you're connecting with Renat at Starta because because I'm sure he can help. I'm sure that'll that'll make sense to, to everyone. Um, so what? As you we're talking to uh, Fang Fuang, who is um, head of Eastern and Southern Africa for Draper House, the Accelerator. And um, you're listening to the Accelerator with Michael Kahn, if that's me. So as Fang, as you look out into your unlimited future as a startup specialist, um, what would you hope for if, if you could write a blank check for the next 
five years, let's say you're in, well, you may only be in Africa for a few years, but what would you like to see happen uh, for you in Africa? In other words, how would Draper House look differently in Africa in three years if, if all goes well for you? Thank you for this question. I love this question. Um, so we want to start friend. So, okay. So Dripper is a very good brand name. And there are people approaching us wanting to bring the concept of Dripper startup house to their country, like Ghana, Zimbabwe, uh, Kenya, things like this, right? So what I want to see in three years or five years is that there will be startup uh, Draper startup houses, like let's say 10 locations across Africa. And that would be the first name people think of when uh, founders think of when they think about scaling their startup, meaning let's say a Kenyan founder who wants to scale their startup to Cairo, Egypt. So they will think about, ah, I'm going to stay in Draper startup house. That's where I'm going. If I want to go to a different country, any country I go to, I want them to think of Draper startup house first. That would be the sweet bliss picture that I have. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't doubt your, your ability to do it. And what about you? What would, what would you like to do within the startup ecosystem as you, as you build out your own career? Because I want to, I want to Let me yeah. preface that by saying, uh, Fang, that that um, there are a lot of people like you in the startup system. They're they're new to it, or they're young, or they've done a couple things, but now they're sort of getting into it more deeply. I guess this question could be rephrased as, where does where does this take you? Where where could you end up? Where would you like to end up? Hmm. That is. Um. It would be a lie if I say I have an idea, but it would also be a lie if I say I have no idea at all. Uh, for me now, it's quite it's quite vague. <laughs> I see myself developing this um, Dripper Startup House for the next two, three years, but I'm not sure if I will be in the startup world forever. Um, I see a different career as well in... Okay, this is a different thing... Totally, but I have a different offer to do something for a Vietnamese corporate in U.S. They just open an office in U.S. So I see this a as... I'm sorry, a, Viet a Vietnamese what? I couldn't hear that. I'm sorry. A Vietnamese uh, corporation, a Vietnamese public company, um, very dominant in terms of trading, uh, export and imports. They just open an office in the U.S. and they offered... They give me a very good offer to work remotely uh, and to be in the U.S. for two or three times per year. So I can see myself doing two things at the same time, based in Africa, working at uh, working with Draper South House and also with this company, which will give me the opportunity to go to the U.S. often to build relationships. And I can see myself in five years, maybe I will go for an MBA um, and afterwards, I may get into venture capital, um, something like that. So that is a big picture that I'm having, like a 
but I'm not saying that's my goal. I will no. go with the flow and see where life takes me. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Well, one thing I like about you is um, when I ask a question, you actually stop and think about it, which, believe it or not, is very rare. <laughs> People do not think about what they're saying, but you were like, oh, huh, let me think about that for a minute. So um, I think that that bodes really well for you. And look, I, I look forward to um, to us um, collaborating, um, getting entrepreneurs to the United States, um, doing doing anything we can do to help you. I'm, I'm sure the connection with Startup yeah. will be very valuable to both companies. So so that's a good one. But uh, I want to um, uh, remind our listeners, you've been listening to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. Um, we bring together entrepreneurs, startups, founders, VCs, angels, investment firms uh, from all over the world, as we've proved from this view of the Indian Ocean uh, and, uh, and the, the uh, call for prayers uh, in, in Tanzania today. Um, but I also want to thank our, our, our charismatic guest, Fang Fuang, who is, did I get it? I keep, uh, uh, Fuang Fang, tell me, you tell me your yes. name. I, I'm so sorry. Fang, go ahead. So in Vietnamese, uh, last name actually comes first. So my full name would be, my name would be Fan Fuang in Vietnamese. But yeah, Fuang is the name that you call me and Fan is my family name. So yeah, Fuang. Fuang. So you'd be Fuang Fan. That is very yes. confusing. I never, I never knew that. Yeah, no one very confusing. Very confusing. <laughs> Yeah, but listen, um, we wish you the best of luck. Um, I'm sure you'll you'll do great things there, and um, I certainly hope you'll stay in touch with us. So thanks for being on the accelerator, and um, uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, we will be back with more podcasts on the accelerator before you know it. Thanks for listening.